plus food service plus conversation equal the Food Service for Thought podcast. Produced by Forbes, Heaver, and Wallace and hosted by Carrie Clements and Justin Oliveris, the bi-monthly podcast connects the food service industry through in-depth conversations with chefs, restaurant equipment suppliers, food service establishment owners, and so many others that make up our wonderful industry. If you like food, people, and great conversation, we think you will enjoy the Food Service for Thought podcast. Hey, we're so glad you could join us. We are so thrilled to speak with William Garner, the food and retail manager at USAA. He is an incredible guy, and uh, if you're tuning in, congratulations. You get to hear a little bit about him. He really is awesome. He's been with USAA since 2007, and before that, he served 30 years in the United States Air Force. To boot, he's got an impressive impressive and uh, intimidating number of master's degrees. And he's a member of the board of directors for Big Brothers Big Sisters of South Texas and also his local HOA. And then just to add a little bit more to the pile of obligations and commitments he's made, he also serves on the media ministry at his church. So uh, clearly he is a big giver. Uh, Service is a um, big part of William's life. Together with his wife, Ingrid, they have six kids and seven grandkids. Their children are active in military service and higher education. And I'm not sure when they find the time, but they also like to travel and treat themselves to special meals at fine dining restaurants. Hopefully they get to start doing that again soon. Hopefully we all do. Anyway, welcome, William. It's a pleasure having you here. So, William, tell us, um, well, first of all, I guess we should tell everybody that you work in the B&I, or business and industry segment of the food service uh, industry. There's so much, uh, so many different segments that uh, serve the public, and you guys are really unique because you're serving the employees at USAA. And you have three main campuses that you you work in Texas, which is San Antonio's the headquarters of USAA, but you also travel between the other two campuses, which are in Phoenix and Colorado Springs. Is that right? Uh, Phoenix, Colorado Springs, and we have two offices in Tampa. Oh, that's right. Tampa. Uh, and Tampa, and we are working on a, uh, a project to increase our presence in Plano, Texas. Oh, okay. Wow. Oh, nice. Welcome to North Texas. Yes. <laughs> yeah. It's a it's a dry heat. <laughs> <laughs> it is, yeah. Well, uh, so tell us about your role at USAA. For me, my role being, uh, and, and my role kind of shifted over the last few years. I came in basically as a liaison between the food service contractor and uh, USAA. As things evolve currently, I spend more time on inventory, equipment purchasing, uh, project renovations, not so much safety and sanitation like I, like I used to. Just that hub of 
making things make things better for the future uh, in the food operation. Uh, most of the day-to-day stuff is handled by my boss, but I'm more on the project side now until my retirement. So when you when you started this process and you came in as a liaison, was there a system in place for a lot of the inventory and equipment purchasing, or was it something that you came in and took on that initiative as far as, okay, I'm going to sort of revamp everything and create, put systems in place so we have consistency across all locations? There was a system in place, but we tried to greatly enhance it. For instance, when I first got there and we wanted to buy a piece of equipment, we would go down to procurement and procurement would go out and uh, get three bids and then we would select the one that we wanted. And generally, it was the cheapest one. Since then, the evolution of that process has been more to relationship buying. Uh, So where I expanded was going out, meeting reps, talking to reps, getting reps to come into our facilities, try to understand what we're doing and see if they can find solutions to help us become a better food service operation. And so from that standpoint, uh, reps have a better idea of what we're looking for. And so they go out into their segment and come back with solutions that help fix our solutions and also benefit them. That has worked out very well. On the inventory part, in equipment, uh, on the inventory part, uh, there was no system in place. I had to develop one by hand. And so I started out on spreadsheets, refined that. And what, what it did was ended up making it a, a program where this, on the spreadsheet, I would put in a piece of equipment and then I'd work my way to a future cost. So when I, so when I do my budget, I don't have to go to each piece of equipment and look it up. There's a factor put in my spreadsheet that here's the general, here's some general information that you need to know about uh, this piece of equipment and what the cost is going to be in the future years. So if I buy a piece of equipment that has a tenure has a tenure shelf life on my sheet in that year group, it tells me how much money I need to program for that budget year. So you did that for every piece of equipment at each campus? Yes. I, I keep Yikes. track of every piece of equipment, whether or not it's capital or expense. Um, I even track uh, small wares because I purchase small wares. And so when I buy it, I keep track of it just to know, just so I know where where it's at, how much money we're spending, how much money we'll need to program for a particular year group when we think that those small wares are are going to depreciate. That boggles the mind to do that and but, then and develop that system and then keep it up because you're at the mercy of other people too, aren't you? We are because of a lot of mobile equipment, uh, and when you're dealing with with uh, third party suppliers sometimes they don't keep track of everything they do they're they're more in tune with uh the day-to-day operations so they may take a piece of equipment and say well we don't need this we don't need this right now and put it somewhere well it's still on my inventory list and i have to go out to these facilities do inventory and try to find them and and that could be hectic at times uh with trying to find pieces of equipment it's very it's very time consuming because on my inventory list I have fifteen hundred pieces of equipment and it's almost worth ten million dollars. Uh, so I pay attention to what I have to do. I pay attention to our members' money, but still, when you have things that move around, for instance, uh, we have mobile cars that move food around in the buildings. 
Well, when I do my inventory, I'll have this cart that was supposed to be an A cafeteria. When I go to A cafeteria to do the inventory, it's not there. So then I have to search and try to find it. Well, sometimes you can only spend so much time when you're by yourself trying to do this. You can imagine trying to find 1,500 pieces of equipment in four different states. Oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah, that is uh, that would be quite the scavenger hunt. Uh, oh, it you is. need a low jack on all of your stuff. You need low jack on everything. <laughs> you, you do, you know. And we've tried uh, to get the company to do things like RFIs. Oh, uh, yeah, I know what you're talking about. RFP, RP, RFPI, RFIDs, or, like or yeah, something like that. Whatever uh, it is, something. Yeah, but that's what was too expensive, and I did a couple white papers on it trying to get them to buy into the process, but they haven't. So I get to um, travel around and do this. Get your steps in. You get your steps in when you go do that. Yeah, <laughs> it, it can be tiresome though. I can't, no, yeah. I seriously, I cannot imagine. I can't imagine. Cause I know when we do that at, at work, inventory, not, not for the products that we stock for resale, just our equipment, our demo and test equipment, you know, cause we might have it at this customer and then another rep wants to take it to another customer. And so they go pick it up and take it, but they forget to tell us. And we're, we're like, uh, you know, that's, that's a lot of money. <laughs> it's all Justin's fault. It, it, we blame everything it on is. Justin. You know, um, in, you. in one year, uh, just by the piece of equipment we couldn't find, we had to write off about probably about a quarter million dollars worth of equipment. Yeah, which which uh, most of the time shows back up somewhere else, but it's already it's already it, you're right. written off. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it does. It, it does, um, and that has happened. And you know, and then when we find a piece of equipment, then we have to go through the process of putting it back in our inventory system. So USAA isn't a tiny company. Your San Antonio facility is the size of the Pentagon. Is that right? Or bigger uh, than? Slightly smaller. Slightly smaller. Okay. And, and we just came out. I just seen a note when I came on this morning that we're, uh, <clears throat> we're rated number 94 on Forbes 500. So we're we're moving wow. up. And how many people do you feed in a day pre-COVID? You know, um, do you feed in a day? We were doing uh, over forty thousand transitions a day uh, throughout the enterprise, um, and that could be anywhere from selling a simple bottle of water or a full course meal. That doesn't include the amount of um, catering that we were doing. So we have a huge catering business um, that ranges anything from giving popcorn and and sodas to plated meals for executives. <clears throat> anything in between. Two things, uh, William and Carrie. Carrie, you and I need to chip in for Christmas and buy William one of those segways that security at the mall use to get around, and that that'll help you locate some of that equipment a little bit faster. But <clears throat> when when you're mentioning the size of the physical size of of the location in san antonio and you said all the different transactions over the course of the day whether it's somebody getting lunch somebody getting a bottled water can you kind of walk everyone through what sort of the, the physical layout not necessarily you know uh, what it looks like but just sort of the different options and the different things that are there because I, I think people would be genuinely surprised to see just how many you know how basically it functions 
like, you know, you've got convenience stores inside, you've got, you know, pop-up places, you've got restaurants, cafeterias. Can you kind of walk us through what, what some of that looks like? Well, in, um, in the main campus, we have what we call three commissary kitchens that, that produce products. They get moved around to, to, to different facilities. And we have five cafes, five mini markets, and we have three Starbucks. And throughout the day, 24-7, you can get food somewhere in that, in that facility. The facilities are kind of spaced out because when you look at our building, it's, uh, the main building is over a quarter mile long. And so we have cafes on different levels. Uh, and so they're strategically placed throughout the corridors between the different buildings. So we have buildings uh, A through H. And so the cafes are strategically placed along those corridors so people don't have too far to walk to get to any food facility. Back in 2010, 2009, 2010, we well, started opening up mini markets to supplement uh, the cafes because we were opening up cafes on the weekends and spending a lot of money on manpower, uh, electricity, water, and stuff uh, for a handful of people. So we, we spent the money to, to develop these micro markets to offer some hot food offerings, some cold food offerings, and some snacks and beverages to get people through the day for that, for that group of folks that worked on Saturdays and Sundays. Um, so that has worked out well. We've expanded those programs not only to the home office, but we opened one up in Colorado Springs. We opened uh, one up in Tampa, Crosstown. We, in our plans, we're going to open one in Tampa Commerce Park. We're going to open one in Plano. And we just opened one up in Phoenix. And all of them, depending on the feeding requirements and the locations, they do different things. For instance, in Phoenix, there's a long distance between where some of the workers are to where the cafe is. So we added more hot food in that space. You can go in there and get a, a full meal. You can get hot sandwiches. You can get pizzas and those type of items along with our signature salad bars. And, and that's what we call our, our market on steroids. Um, and that's the only one, one that we have, but we're looking at putting something like that in, in our Plano office also. So I, since I know you pretty well, I know you're all about teams. And we were curious if you can kind of talk about the importance of building a team to juggle the challenges of working remotely. I, I'm assuming you're not traveling much and you're relying a lot on teams, teams being your reps, but internally also. Yes, you know, no man is an island and nobody can run this operation by themselves. I can't do it without reps. I can't do it without our facilities guys. I can't do it without our maintenance guys. And I can't do it without our third-party suppliers that supply the food. It has been a challenge since this virus thing has hit, uh, only because I'm a visual person. And for me, I have to see things and, and, and work those things through my head. Um, it's difficult to see those things on the screen. But now more than ever, I have to rely on people that's close to uh, the operation to be my eyes and ears. So we've been doing more stuff on texting, taking pictures of stuff, making phone calls, those type of things just to stay connected and, and stay on top of what we have to do. 
And the good thing about this is it created some problems that we generally don't have to deal with. So we have like our third party supplier that does our maintenance. They're, they're doing more things in the food operation with the equipment while we're not there. And they're coming up with ideals and plans to keep that equipment running, keep, keep the facilities up to snuff, and letting us know where problems are at so we can come up with game plans uh, to take care of those. But it, it, it is difficult. You know, one of my phone calls this morning was they did a punch, uh, punch walk in Phoenix. And there were some things that we would generally catch, me and Ray and, and Chris, when we're there in person. Uh, but they, they had to send us pictures, and we talked through those pictures and the problems that we've seen those pictures, and then we had to come up with a plan to get them fixed. You know, so it's been those kind of challenges that we have been working through. Are we going to be there 100%? No. But the good thing is, is that now we faithfully have to rely on other people. Where before, it was, it was, it was our way, and that's how we're going to do things. But now we have to look at other people and say, hey, we, we need your help. We need your input. We have, we, this has really humbled us as, as human beings. We all, we all are experts in our career fields and experts in what, in what we do. You know? And so a lot of times what we say goes, but now we have to rely on other people giving us information and hopefully that information is correct for us to make, make the best decisions possible. But this may be the wave of the future. I do miss my traveling. I do miss talking to reps because there's projects that got put on hold and I, I, I just miss that camaraderie of grabbing a group of people together and going in the room and come up with a solution to make the operation better. Those things have been put on holes, that's kind of difficult to deal with. Um, but the other things, um, we really rely on other people to step up to the plate. And, and they have been. Yeah, it, it has created a learning environment um, and, and you have learning opportunities all day, every day right now. And, um, you know, you're not going to catch all of them, but it, it has, you know, for me personally, the, the people that I work with, we get to see each other more than this, you know? And, and I think for the most part, we really miss being around each other and teasing one another and, you know, cooking our meals together when we get together at the office or even our retreat meetings. And I, I will never take anybody on our team for granted again, because I, you know, I now know I have genuine affection for everybody. So that can be hidden, you know, you. When, you, when you take each other for granted and you're just going to the next thing, the next thing, the next thing. Not, not to say that, you know, Justin doesn't get on my very last nerve quite often. <laughs> But <laughs> no, but seriously, you know, it, it, it just me, my relationship with the people in our company has, is, you know, we always thought of ourselves as a family before, but when you realize you were, you have to worry about their safety, like their right. health and their <clears throat> wife or husband or parent, you know, their extended family's health. And that's on your mind at all times. You realize how much you would miss them if they weren't there. Um, like you say about your reps, even, you know, that, that level of camaraderie. Yeah. There is a, there is a void that we're working through yeah. that probably needs to get filled more sooner than later, because I just can't see me personally working the next five or six years under these conditions, because that's not my, that's not my general makeup. You know, yeah. I, I mean, I'm a hugger by nature yeah and yeah and and the only thing i'm hugging these days is, yeah. is a coffee cup every morning 
you know, and a lot and, and a coffee pot, freaking beer. Yeah, and, and, and it don't hug back, <laughs> you know. So there's there's, there's no there's no touchy feeling, <laughs> so, you know. So yeah, it's um, amazing just being in the same space with someone. You yeah. can't, you know, even you and me are, you know, the three of us are looking at each other's faces, but, you know, you can't see somebody's shoulders drop or them kind of, you know, move back from you if you say something yeah. they're not pleased with or whatever. I, I, I miss the kind of stuff like when me and Chris and Ray would travel and were, and were working and, and it was that. It was that downtime where you could talk about personal things, these things that really connect people, yeah, and 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 show that we're all human beings. We all we all we all bleed the same blood, and so you get a greater understanding of of what you're working with and who you're working with. But when you're working from home, you 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 can't have those say you don't have those same opportunities. Yeah. You know? So yeah, <laughs> um, I I, I kind of miss that. And I, I, I miss the, the things of finding on-the-spot problems and fixing them. You can't fix nothing sitting in front of a desk all day. Yeah. With, um, sort of on that note, with all of us going through this and you being forced to spend more time at home and, and back off on the travel, has, has there been any positive outcomes from maybe you and your team sort of discovering maybe some inefficiencies in the margins there that you're saying, hey, I didn't know that. Maybe we weren't doing this as efficiently as we could. Maybe instead of doing how we've been doing it, this pandemic has forced us to find a different way, and this actually ended up being a little bit more creative, a little bit more efficient, saved us some money, that kind of thing. No. <laughs> I'm, I'm too arrogant to make a statement like that. Fair enough. Well, they, 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 they need me. They need me. They do need to. I can tell you, you, you and Ray, no. what two men accomplish. And I know you do have teams, and I know that you know Chris is a help, and your reps are a help. But what you guys accomplish together, it's like y'all have a shorthand. Uh, uh, you know, just, just you, you know the history of these buildings. You know the goals and wants of the decision makers when they start planning. You know. And yeah. and you know how to guide them in in selections for equipment, uh, and you know how to do your research. That's the other thing. You guys really know how to do your research. And you know, I've seen you at a trade show when you're just exhausted, and but you stay for the long haul, and you meet everybody you need to meet. You have a, a goal, and that that's a hard thing, isn't it, to try and make decisions now without seeing that stuff up in person? I, I have bought very little since this has happened, and I yeah. only bought things that were necessity. But it is it, it is difficult not to touch stuff. Uh, but Justin, to go back to your question, I haven't seen the inefficiencies and things that you 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 were alluding to uh, because so many things have stopped. So many of our projects have stopped. That's a good um, but I, I can tell you one of the things I, I, I am most proud about working where I work and, and the team that I'm working with is that those inefficiencies come up every day. And we try to work through those every day. And so no one lays on their laurels and say, oh, well, I'm right. And this is the best way to do stuff. Because every time we every time we, we move a wall or move a piece of equipment, we find problems. But the beauty of working with the people I work with 
like the Chris's and the Rays of the world, we will always stop and correct what's wrong when we see it. Yeah. And when you're sitting at a computer, you can't see those problems. Yep. You know, so I, so I, 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 I miss that. And, and, and I, I miss being at the end of the day saying, you know what? I found this problem. I found this problem. We fixed this. We fixed this. We fixed this. We fixed this. When no one's moving, because most of our operators are shut down, there's no problems to fix. There's yep. no efficiencies to fix. And we had one project that was going on when this hit, and we're finishing up that project, but the rest of them got put on hold. And we closed facilities. Um, and now it's trying to find those things and how to bring this thing back up safely. Yeah. The, 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 you know, the, I didn't think about that, and I didn't even, you know, when Justin and I talked about the questions, I I, sh- I should have put that on there, and we can certainly talk about it. I was, I was talking to one of... Um, a friend of mine yesterday afternoon who has a, a 10-year-old, a 15-year-old, and a 17-year-old. And then I was talking to one of our coworkers today who has a 6-year-old and a, and a 9-year-old. And the decisions about sending their children back to school versus not. And the acknowledgement that kids need to be around other kids, you know, for their mental health, for their development, for their socialization. Well, the same is true of us, right? I mean, we can weather the storm a little bit longer and process better for sure. But at some point, y'all do need to be in the same building and, 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 and working out those details. Of course, that'll be, you know, when, when that happens and USA says, okay, whatever, we're going to bring back 10% at a time or 20% at a time, you know, whatever they're going to do, then you have to figure out what to open when, how long it's going to be open, what extra services, because it's not going to be go back to normal, right? Then you're going to have to That's figure cool. out what to do then. And I'm sure y'all are having a lot of conversations, but until the f- switch is flipped, you're on standby. That, that's correct. You know, we had a meeting yesterday discussing if we don't come back up 100% and we don't need all our facilities, what are we going to do? I, I, I have some expensive piece of equipment that could possibly sit and deteriorate uh, from sitting, you know, because of the, the kind of parts on the inside of these, some of these pieces of equipment mm-hmm. and trying to figure out what to do with this. Should we, should we sell this stuff right now and get a greater return on our investment? Uh, and then we come back up if we need them, buy new, so that when we open up, uh, things don't fall apart because at that point, you know, where the rubber meets the road, we got to feed customers. You can't feed customers if half your equipment is 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 failing um, because it sat for two years. You know, and it's those type of things that we're having conversations with now, and trying to figure out what's the best way to do this because I I, I got a lot of money tied up in this. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And back to Justin's point, this is just trying to be efficient. How, how can we be efficient with this equipment and, and, and make the best out of this equipment uh, in a situation that we're in? You know, so we, 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 we ha- we're having those discussions. Well, I, I put a team together yesterday and gathered their input because it's back to, guys, what do you think about this? This is what I'm thinking we should do. What do you think we should do? Uh, you're a maintenance guy. How do you think this equipment is going to work when it comes back up if it sits for two or three years? Because no one knows how long this thing's going to go on. And one thing we know for sure is that uh, right now the plan is not to be back in that building 100% because there's some people that really enjoy being at home. They're more comfortable working from home, especially uh, people that are on the phone all day. It makes no difference whether or not they're at home doing what they're doing or sitting in the office with somebody. 
uh, so those all those all those kind of things got to get worked out to see how that's going to uh, come to fruition. As that's being planned, the support piece has to plan also uh, how we're going to support whatever's going to take place in the future. You know, so uh, we have a lot of discussions about a lot of stuff. We don't have no answers yet, but we have a lot of discussions. Thank you for listening to the Food Service for Thought podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. And a big shout out to Forbes, Heaver, and Wallace and everyone on the team for producing the first ever food service rep-driven podcast. Please subscribe, rate, and review. Oh, and go eat out at your local restaurant or grab some takeout or delivery, even if you are just in the mood for some apps or dessert. Every bite helps.